Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Don't forget to share it as well. Get it? It's adventure music. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to The Gary and Shannon Show. Do you feel that you're modeling appropriate and positive behavior for today's youth? I feel like we just figured out who or what killed Biggie and Tupac. Gary, Gary, Gary. Gary Hoffman. He's like a little man. Hi, guys. I'm Shannon. Shannon Farron. I like that she's a fighter and that she doesn't give up. Who are you? Gary and Shannon. You can talk. Uh, Google. No, we can really talk. Now let's get this nightmare started. Man, we've had a full morning already. There's a lot going on. Uh, and and we've got a true crime mystery here in the studio. I don't know. We work with children, apparently, because somebody broke the shade. Mm-hmm. You roll down just to keep the, you know, it's because right. bright sunshine outside. And we have no idea. Well, I mean, and Monica and already, is blinded Yeah, she can't see. I can't sun. see her. You are a shadow today. See? That's the first because, time anyone has ever said okay, that to well, me, by the th- way. This shade was in place yesterday. Yeah. So it was after us. John, uh, I think, is in Arizona doing the show from Arizona. Ooh. Not that anybody's so supposed to know that, but, but could, that at least is an alibi. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling the shade back here. Get it? <laughs> uh, and so it was either Ken, and that's not Ken's that's behavior. Not his move. No. Conway. I don't even think Conway would touch those. I don't though. think Conway's a destructive person. You know, Nori. George Nori. George Nori. Nori. He doesn't know the show from But that here. whole Hall of Fame thing is happening. Yeah, he's busy. He would never he would never put his uh, Hall of Fameness in jeopardy. So that leaves one person. The person who's already in the Hall of Fame. Bill Handel. Thanks, Bill. Don't Bottom you have this... don't you have enemies in this building? Me? Yeah. Oh, the Woody show would never do this. This is not their speed. <laughs> they would not do it. Um, did the I bottom that, of this uh, hour. Did I tell you that Bill Handel's been calling Nick Trevor for the past <laughs> year and a half? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, there's that, too. Breaks the shade. Um, At the bottom of this hour, the president just uh, spoke before his cabinet meeting in the White House. And uh, we're going to talk more about this uh, because he has been talking about the immigration, the executive order that he signed yesterday to stop family separations at the border. Guess who's at the border today? Uh, At least in McAllen, Texas, not necessarily exactly at the border, but First Lady Melania Trump has been touring one of the facilities that has been caring for some of these kids. So The Washington Post is reporting that the Border Patrol will no longer refer migrant parents who cross into this country illegally to federal courses, uh, courthouses to face criminal charges, that they're just not going to prosecute people who cross the border with kids right now until they get the facilities to keep the families together. We'll talk all about that Get at the bottom, of, uh, again, at the bottom of the hour. But yesterday... Here in L.A., there was a a fitting end to what was probably one of the more gruesome murder cases ever tried in L.A. I don't know if a conviction is a fitting end for this monster. Okay, I'll give you that. That's probably Beth Silverman is the deputy district attorney who tried this case. Uh, This was a Canadian real estate's tycoon son. This was a guy who wrote a graphic novel featuring uh, many gruesome killings that ended up carrying out his own gruesome killing. Beth joins us now. Beth, 
Tell us about this monster. <laughs> well, that is a good word, Shannon. Very um, descriptive and very appropriate in this case. So Blake Leibel was involved with a young model who came here from the Ukraine and seeking a better life. She met up with Blake Leibel, unfortunately. Blake Leibel um, was married at the time, actually, to another woman and um, had walked out on her when she was pregnant with their second son and was um, involved in a relationship with another woman who uh, he also was living with at another location. And when he met Iana Cassian, he convinced her to move in with him at a fancy apartment in West Hollywood. She gave birth to their daughter about three weeks before he decided he didn't want her anymore, and so he murdered her. That's um, He murdered her, but in terms of the descriptions of what he did with her body afterwards, I mean, that brings the... Uh, Not afterwards. Yeah, before. she was still or before, alive, I'm sorry, while, while he was doing this. And yeah, that, that's that what makes it even worse. That brings the torture and the aggravated mayhem charges, which involved uh, scalping, draining her of blood. I mean, Correct. just ridiculously... Gruesome, horrific things. Yes. Very, very bizarre, very unusual cause of death. Coroner's office has never seen a case like this. They couldn't even get a small blood sample, less than two-tenths of a teaspoon of blood out of the body from her veins for identification purposes. So they had to cut pieces of muscle tissue out so we could use that for uh, DNA purposes for comparison to evidence samples. How long was she alive for the, the torture part, do we know? We don't know exactly, but we know that there is a minimum. We know that from the pieces of tissue that were cut off from her body, that there was hemorrhage on the edges of those tissue, pieces of tissue, scalp, eyebrow, ears, things of that nature. So for there to be hemorrhaging, we know that she had to have been alive, right, because her heart's beating. And then in addition to that, Unfortunately, there were areas where there was the infiltration of white blood cells, which means for the white blood cells to actually move into that area of the tissue to try and protect the tissue and ward off infection. She had to have been alive for a minimum of six hours beyond that at each of those areas where there was cutting and tearing. Beth, you've handled a lot of high-profile cases here in Los Angeles, a lot of uh, gruesome murders. Where does this rank for you? high up there. It's one of the most gruesome cases I've ever handled. I certainly haven't had a case involving the level of torture and mayhem that I saw uh, in this case. Were there any red flags with this guy? Uh, is, did his behavior start to get crazy? I mean, other than the fact that he wrote graphic novels about gruesome killings, did people in his life find that he was spiraling? You know, I've heard various accounts of that, but I also don't really like to go there because I think that just is sort of looking for an excuse when you're talking about somebody who's a, a grown adult, who is somebody who's making conscious decisions about his life, his family, his children, runs a business, you know, able to juggle all these women and um, finances and everything else and lawyers and accountants. So, you know, to me, that's sort of an excuse. And, you know, this is somebody who clearly deliberated about this and made conscious decisions and choices and um you know obviously it's a bizarre crime but i think the we tend to always want to believe that there's a reason why people do these things as i think it makes us feel safer and make us feel better 
But the truth is, there's just evil people. Yeah, and I, I just feel like he went from zero to 110. I, I didn't read about any priors or anything. No priors, which is one of the reasons we didn't seek death in this case. Um, nothing like that. That's uh, first of all that like that statement on its face. The fact that we can't strange. seek death yeah. for a, for a torture and right? yeah, it's not that we can't. It's that we chose not to. And in a case like this, you know, who wants this case to go on and on and on over the next, you know, many many years when we know what happens in California that we haven't put anybody to death right. in 2005. As opposed to, in this case, coming back with a very quick verdict and letting the you know the mom go back to Kiev and raise the granddaughter, who now is you know an orphan through no fault of her own, obviously. I mean, were you, you know. were you ever really able to pin down a motive for this? We thought that the motive seemed sort of clear, given what we saw from him and what he did with his with his wife. The fact that he walked out on his on his first wife and was questioning the paternity of their second son. I think for somebody like Blake Libel, some of the articles out of the um, Toronto area were, were, I thought, pretty dead on. And he's such a, um, you know, a guy who's been spoiled his whole life and had so much money and privilege. And um, I think he was just really somebody who thrived on that. He had to have somebody who paid attention and focused their, their life solely on him, even though he was out and about, you know, doing all these different things. And the minute that the baby came... It was almost like it was taking away the attention from him, and the fiancé, the victim in this case, was no longer making him the center of her world. And so she was, she, the baby wasn't allowed to stay with them at the apartment, nor was her uh, mother who flew in from um, Kiev to help with the birth and be there for, you know, assisting with the aftermath and raising this child for a little bit and helping Yana out. So it sounds like it's more of a you know, a control issue and an anger issue and a jealousy issue. So um, pretty pathetic. Beth, thank you so much. Great job. Thank you, guys. Thanks for your support. Deputy District Attorney Beth Silverman there. Uh, She mentioned this guy's privileged past, and I wanted to kind of dig into that when we come back about uh, his allowance that he was getting per month and about his famed family and his father and all his success in Canada because I think – Privilege does play a role. Gary and Shannon will continue. I don't One of the most grim murder trials in Los Angeles in recent memory. Yeah, a guy, this- guy named Blake Libel, a filmmaker, graphic novelist, uh, who ended up killing his the, the mother of his child, mother of his children, right? Uh, it turns out that he ended up draining her body of blood. Guilty of first-degree murder, torture, and aggravated mayhem. In fact, during the torture before this woman was officially killed... Uh, there were text messages sent to Postmates. He had been ordering food during the time of the torture several times over two days saying, don't knock on the door, just leave the food at the door. And it was Iana's, uh, it was the woman's mother who eventually was able to realize something was very, very wrong and got cops to come in and break down the door and they're the ones who found this turned out to be a horror scene it's just nuts like we were talking about with beth that somebody has no crimes in their past 
He uh, he was married before. He left his first wife, who he had two kids with. He had a, a, a kid with, with this woman. Yeah, but something just freaking snapped. Well, I've said this before. I've always had this question about – let me just use the example of the movie The Human Centipede. Uh, never saw it. Know what it's about. But who thinks of that crap? I don't like, know what it's who? about. What is it about? I'll have to explain oh. to you. I don't even know if I can explain it on no. the air, but uh, it's probably not okay. appropriate for me to So the, the dark things. Very dark, sadistic. The Saw movies. I mean, that's another another example. Uh, who thinks of this stuff? Like, And what what stuff was so gruesome that they didn't put it in the movies and is still living in that person's mind. Well, I think somebody can have very dark thoughts and a very creative imagination for the dark and not end up being a murderer. Yes. I mean, there's so many books. Look at Stephen King. Right. You yeah, know? Yeah, I'll give you that. I But but it, there, there's Although, still something Although, if something crossed the wire right now, saying several bodies have been found in Stephen King's basement... I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, no way, not Angela Lansbury. <laughs> no, I. That, but there's something about that that has always just fascinated Who me. Who thinks of that? You stuff, could be. Yeah. There could be that much of a dark. I know we've all got it. Yeah. And I'm not saying you it, have it too. I, I do too. But I don't write it down. I don't right. turn it into a moneymaker. <laughs> right. That's a good point. There's a difference there. Um, but there is an appetite for that dark, depraved stuff. Um, this was a guy who was very privileged. His father uh, it was named Lauren Leibel. He was a sailor on Canada's 1976 Olympics team. He went on to amass a huge fortune constructing homes in Toronto. The, the kid, Blake, who ended up being the monster murderer, moved to California at some point, lived off an allowance of nearly $18,000 a month. Eight, How? $18,000 a month. How did he live on that? That's... I don't know. Um, and it was only seven years of $18,000 a month, but then he inherits the majority of his mother's estate. So then he has even more money. Um, he worked in a variety of creative roles, I guess you could call them, um, a director and creative consultant in 2008, on an animated series based on Spaceballs. He wrote and directed his own film comedy called Bald. And then he went on to create the graphic novel Syndrome. This was published eight years ago. This was published uh, six years before he tortured and killed Ayana Kassian. The book plot follows a mad doctor's quest to test his theory that he can isolate the root of evil in the brain and fix it. You tried his experiment on a serial killer. It's a very graphic novel. <laughs> it focuses on a prison where the killer is about to be executed for mass murders. It flashes back to scenes of him hanging a couple by their ankles and slitting the man's throat. The idea that this guy would have followed a script, that was what one of the prosecutors had said, that he was basically following uh, a rough outline. A blueprint. It, it, that he had written himself in that syndrome graphic novel in the murder of of this woman. The torch, I mean, it, murder makes it sound like it was a clean one shot and done. This was a torture of this woman. Success is elusive in this fictional world in syndrome. Uh, and the book's narrator concludes, in the end, we all become monsters. Well, it's clear when this guy's sentenced, he's going away for the rest of his life. Uh we heard Beth Silverman say that they didn't go for the death penalty in this. Uh, but And she made a perfect point. 
why would we want to continue to relive this case over and over and yeah, over again in all the appeals? When you look at the the facts of the case, uh, it is. This is the one. This would, is the guy. Yeah, this, this is the is guy the that guy, should be put to death. Right. But you're. I mean, we're in California. I've got a now. question. Yes. For do. the people who oppose the death penalty, um, do they look at a case like this and uh, cry childhood problems? Do they look at a case like this and say, well, he shouldn't be killed? Because, I mean, I know there's some people who believe that the government shouldn't kill anybody, but I'm talking about the other death penalty opposers, the people that feel like, oh, he just didn't get a fair shot in life. Oh, he had a rough childhood. I, I, what do they say when you present no them idea. with this case? I don't know, because there's no, there's, no, there's no argument against it. There's no argument for keeping this guy alive for the rest of his life. I hope he has a terrible time in prison. When we come back, we're going to update you on what's going on with the immigration issue and family separations because the first lady went to uh, an immigrant holding center in Texas today. Surprise visit. We'll tell you how that went and what the president has been talking about this morning. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, have you heard about that new internet challenge? <laughs> Stupid. The, the rapper, Tentacion. This is a new challenge uh, uh, regarding his murder. I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah. It, it, hey, at least no one's choking or accidentally burning themselves or hurting other people by doing this. I thought we were it's done just, with challenges. No, I don't think we're done with them. Should we come up with a Gary and Shannon challenge? If you have any ideas of what a Gary and Shannon internet, Twitter, Instagram challenge might be. Let us know. Yeah. We'll pick the best option. Maybe even show us an example of what it would look like. Right. Take a picture and you send it to us, whatever the you think the Gary and Shannon challenge should be. Tracy wrote to us on Facebook at Gary and Shannon. What did Tracy write? Today is National Giraffe Day. Really? Remember April? Remember that fiasco? The giraffe. Tomorrow is bring your dog to work day. Didn't she make another baby, April, right after the last oh, baby, but nobody paid attention? <laughs> that sucks. Uh, should I bring my dog in tomorrow? Can we bring dogs in tomorrow? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, it's National Dog Day. Oh, my I, gosh, I April's pregnant again. Oh, boy. Do they have a camera? I don't think so. Oh. Hey, we were talking about uh, what's going on at the border. Just uh, the, the biggest things today, the Washington Post... Completely screwed up a story uh, not too long ago uh, that we'll talk about here in a second. But first, um, Melania Trump has visited an immigrant child facility there in McAllen, Texas, in a surprise visit today. And they uh, she got a tour and got to ask a lot of questions about what's going on and how uh, she can do whatever she does to try to reunite kids with their parents as soon as possible. Um, one of the big criticisms of what we've seen in terms of this policy at the border is that kids were not being re- reunited with their parents in a timely fashion. Although uh, I, I, I haven't, I don't know the timeline of all of this. I've seen as few as a few hours uh, and as long as a, a few weeks, depending on the the case and the kid. But it's going to be one of those things where we have to figure this out. And good for her. I mean, good for her to get down there. 
And I actually think that this is going to reflect positively on the president because she's down there, because she's going to be able to come back and say something to him about what's been going on. So right before the show began, I saw an alert uh, on on the Washington Post that said that the U.S. Border Patrol would no longer prosecute parents who cross the border illegally with children. And now the Washington Post has amended that story to say that the U.S. Border Patrol will no longer refer migrant parents who cross into the country illegally with kids to courthouses to face criminal charges. So basically we're back to where we were before the zero tolerance policy came out from Jeff Sessions is what it sounds like. That they screwed it up. The um, the Washington Post got it wrong. They were saying that we were suspending, arresting any parents with kids. Right. And when you said that, I we were trying to work through that and figure out why that would have been the thing. And the only possibility was we just simply don't have not enough the facilities, facilities yeah. to house entire families together. That that made some amount of sense. But that also put an open border policy into immediate effect. Right. So so now the way that they have it, the U.S. Border Patrol will no longer refer migrant parents who cross into the U.S. illegally with children to the federal courthouses to face criminal charges. So the ICE official says we're suspending prosecutions of adults who are members of family units until ICE can accelerate resource capability to allow us to maintain. Custody. Okay, to me so. that that statement right there puts us back where. Well, that was the that was the original quote. That was the that was what we they were using to write the first story with, and then a spokesman for the Justice Department, Sarah Flores, said we're we're not suspending prosecutions. There's no change. It seems in like all of there this. is a big breakdown in communication. Yes, of course there is. I mean, listen. The executive order was even had misspellings in it yesterday. Yeah. Which is a strange. They misspelled the word separate. They misspelled the most important word in the entire thing, which was separation. Listen, it's a tiny, minor thing, but come on. Can I somebody just, in there? To... Can I just tell you what happened on Wheel of Fortune last night? Yes. There was. Which I'm waiting for the connection, but. I'll... Uh, letter is the same clue. Oh, yeah. Same letter clue. Oh. And it was clean, comfortable, and convenient, and all the letters were filled in except for one, the V, inconvenient. Convenient, okay. And a woman guessed P. Convenient? Convenient. Anyway. Customs and Border Patrol officials say they do not know what the executive order asks them to do. There I think is, nobody knows there uh, who's is on first here. Still confusion as to what's going on. Right now, there are two facilities in Texas that can contain, if that's the right word, families. Two in Texas, one in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. And they're running at capacity, basically. Right. So whether there's there's nothing in the executive order to change the way we do things in terms of the actual physical buildings where we're going to put hey, these people. I've got a question. Yes, you go ahead. When back earlier this year, when Jeff Sessions said we're going to have a zero tolerance policy for people crossing the border, right. do you think anybody in that meeting raised their hand and saw this problem coming? Like we're going to have a big PR nightmare on our hands because federal law says we've got to separate kids from parents when the parents are getting prosecuted and if we're gonna have zero tolerance policy we're gonna have a lot of kids in in these detention centers or whatever you want to call them yes 
you think somebody did raise their hand. I do, but and I also what do you think, think I also think that they were using this as a deterrent. That was the bet was. Oh, okay. They were willing to suffer the slings and arrows of a few weeks of bad press in order to get the deterrent out there to places outside the United States, which the deterrent being, hey, if you come here with your kids, they're going to be separated from Well, you. that deterrent just got flushed down the toilet because we've got at least one ICE officer, senior ICE officer, saying we are suspending prosecutions of adults. Which, the, justice, the justice system says we're not, but the guy who works for ICE says right. we are. And believe me, that message is much louder. Oh, yeah. Much louder than the idea that they were separating kids from parents, and that's going to bring more people in. All right. A very sad, um, unfortunate death that we have to tell you about. You've been having a hard time with this. I don't like this. I mean, nobody likes it. Why do you think this is hitting you so hard? Because I, well, I'll tell you why. Okay. I have been, I have communicated with the great apes before using sign language. Okay. And when Coco passed, a piece of me went. And Coco passed away. Like a piece of me went with her. Gary and Shannon. Coco like Kitty. So let's go back to Shannon. Top of the hour, Justin Warsham is going to join us, host of the Dad Podcast. 20 annoying phrases that dads dads have to hear. It's coming up. Hey, uh, Coco died. Coco died, the, the gorilla that uh, was able to uh, communicate with American Sign Language, died at the age of 46 in her sleep up in Woodside, up in the San Francisco Bay Area, San Mateo County, I think it is. She was born at the San Francisco Zoo back in 1971 and uh, became the subject of an experiment to teach the great apes sign language. Not the first, definitely not the first. Washoe was the first, met Washoe, but um, was was one of the more high profile, I suppose, because if you remember, she adopted a kitten. Remember that? They, they allowed her to pick out a cat. Mm-hmm. Coco um, like kitten. Unlikely friendships. And um, then All Ball, that was the name of the little cat, escaped and was hit by a car. I did not know your past uh, on this topic. <laughs> so here's the story of my history with great apes and the communication of sign language with them. I read a book once called Next of Kin. Roger Fouts, I think, is the guy who wrote. Roger and Deborah Fouts. And they started something. They were the ones who taught Washoe, the chimpanzee, sign language. Dirty water. Was he named after Washoe County? I have no idea. That's a good question. Thank you. I mean, it's not a great question, but I don't know. No, don't. You don't get credit for that just because I said it. Anyway, Washoe was a chimpanzee. Roger and Deborah had taught him sign language. Roger and Deborah. Fouts wrote this book called okay, Next of Kin. It. The whole story about Next of Kin was the beginnings of how the the assumptions that the great apes could communicate with us in a way as long as we gave them language. They don't have the ability to create sounds like we do because their voice box is different. But, hey, maybe we teach them some simple signs and we get some communication with them. They started something called the Chimpanzee Human Communication Institute in at Central Washington University in Ellensburg. This is so... So when I read the book, my wife, as a Christmas present one year, 
bought me two tickets to a human chimpanzee communication seminar. That's a great idea. And you go to Ellensburg. It's in the middle of Washington State. You go to Ellensburg. Yeah. And you go to the school. And they on a Saturday, they teach you what they've been doing with this thing. It's almost a sales pitch because they were looking for some donations towards the end. But you go in and you you see how they were teaching these different um, chimpanzees sign language. And it was Washoe, uh, Lulis, who at the time was a like a teenage, late adolescent male, Dar, Tatu, those were the, all these chimpanzees were there, and we would learn how to speak to them. There's a facility where they have a huge outdoor place where these chimpanzees can roam and play and eat and fart around because that's what chimpanzees do. And there's a giant bay window there where you can observe them, just watch them. And they would tell us things like if they come to the if they come to the window, don't smile at them because showing your upper teeth is a sign of aggression to a chimpanzee. Okay, so what do you do? You just so you show your bottom lip like this, put really? your bottom lip out because mm, that was a that sign. Means hello. It was, a, it was just a a non-aggressive way to approach them because Lulis, the uh, pretty aggressive late adolescent male would come to the window and he'd kind of sit there with his back right up next to the window, like his back to the window, like he wasn't paying attention. And then somebody would go and you could sit next to him. I mean, separated by the glass, of course, you could sit next to him and he would turn around and wham, slap that glass. You would poop your pants immediately. Oh, totally. Immediately. I'm pooping my pants just thinking about it. Could, I mean, not really. He could shred you. Um, Washu died. I know. He died uh, nine years ago. No, 11 years ago, uh, 2007. I have something else to tell you. Yes. Washoe was a female. Right. Okay. Did I say male? You said him. I'm sorry. She was a female common chimpanzee who was the first non-human to learn to communicate using ASL. They said that um, Washoe and Lulis liked Playboy magazine. Interesting. Yeah. That's not on her Wikipedia page. Um, but Coco the Gorilla Diet, there are just a dozen, two dozen different documentaries, et cetera, about Coco. Do you know that Washoe has quotes attributed to her? Oh, yeah. Peekaboo, I go. Baby, baby in my drink. Baby doll in my drink. They um, Time eat. There are a lot of people who said she couldn't really speak. You, me, out, go. Using sign okay, language. Okay, but first close. And then she puts on her jacket. Right. There were a lot of people who were saying all of what she communicated was based on the interpretation of whoever her handler was at the time. Probably. And that any communication that she did was actually instigated by nonverbal cues given, not unintentionally, but given by the people who were closest to her. Rich Murata is a chimpanzee sign language denier. He doesn't believe in it. He's one of those people. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I saw it with my own eyes. That's really special that you did that. It was a... How many times... Do you know anybody who has ever gotten a Christmas gift like that? No. Your wife is very thoughtful. She's a very thoughtful gift giver. It's a beautiful drive, too, from Seattle to Ellensburg. How far is that? A couple hours. Okay, coming up next, Justin Worsham joins us, host of the Dad Podcast. Oh, I wanted to say that's why Robin Williams is trending today as well. One of the more popular videos was a short featurette 
where Robin Williams met yes, Coco. Yes, I remember that. And he had more hair than she did. Yeah, he is a ha- was a hairy man. Yeah. Very hairy. Anyway, that's sad. We've also got to get into, into this Kevin McHale story at some point today. Okay. Because Larry Bird's not going to walk through that door. But <laughs> Kevin McHale did. And he's catching hell for it. Excellent. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. Gary and Shannon on this Thursday. Hey, first day of summer. When does summer officially start? Today. I know, but is there a time? Do we know? Right now. Oh, that is awesome. That's why Justin's in shorts Uh, and t-shirts and bright colors. Dad uniform on. Hey, we are monitoring all of the latest developments out of Washington because it seems like it matters who you ask the question to of how people are going to be treated at the border. Yeah, uh, and I don't think anybody knows exactly the impact of the executive order that was signed yesterday. We do know one of the other headlines was that Melania Trump was at uh, a place down in McAllen, Texas, called the Upbring New Hope Children's Center. She made an unannounced visit today uh, to a facility that houses 58 unaccompanied migrant children. I think they said as young as uh, they're allowed to take them as young as six, but they don't have anybody that young at the facility right now, but she talked with uh, some of the doctors, the facility's executive director, so she can take that information back to uh, to Washington, and, and I don't know how much impact she has, but at least she can do that. Another story making news today, the Supreme Court says states can force online shoppers to pay sales tax. This is a win for states who said they were losing out on billions of dollars annually over uh, online sales tax collection. So we'll break down uh, what that means for us. The online shoppers mm. coming up when we talk about what's trending at 12. It's time to talk about parenting. Mm. Uh. Ooh, what is this? This is my theme song. song we played a few weeks ago. Were you here? Yes. Sorry, I forgot. Okay. You can find me over there at the bar. You ain't even got to ask. I don't know where they are. I don't know. I'm a bad, bad, dad. I'm a bad daddy. This room bad, is so bad, white bad. right now. Yeah. Oh, my street cred is strong, no, son. No, <laughs> Keep it at 100 with my paternal influence. Wow. No. What, what happened? Can I get clean Did up I on aisle two? Uh, Justin <laughs> Warsham is host of the Dad Podcast. Uh, and we wanted to talk about some of the most annoying phrases that dads hear. Yeah. This is... Go ahead. I'm just, I, I, I've seen some of these. Yeah. I would even say that I've been on the receiving end of some of these. And I think you're right. Well, It I, is annoying? They are incredibly annoying. Okay. But I think like you, I think your attitude would probably be, it ain't no big deal. Right. That's okay. most, and this, the, uh, to me, the reason uh, this jumped out at me is this list is, I don't know if you guys remember, I'm sure you covered it, but back in 2012, Huggies launched a uh, campaign basically calling it the dad test and uh, saying yeah. Huggies could basically stand the test of being having baby be alone with dad. That's how strong their diapers this, were. This this sounds like <laughs> some of these uh, phrases sound like uh, they could also be phrases for women who try to talk about sports. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you, you know a lot about football. You know a lot about putting that diaper on. Like, why wouldn't I just because of the, you know? Yeah, no, and it, here's what it all comes down to, right? Obviously, it's gender stereotypes. And for me, as a guy who 
was a stay-at-home dad primarily more because of my job. And we've seen it in the news where, in the, I think in the last 10-plus years, the number of stay-at-home dads has more than doubled. Now it's around 2 million stay-at-home dads. And uh, they, they, I thought that it's because, well, there's gender equality, there's more women who are wanting to pursue careers and may not want to stay home with the kids, and there's more dads who are like, I like being the guy at home taking care of the kids, taking care of the house. That's, that's what I've kind of learned I like to be. Um, but in actuality, it all boils down to the fact that they were just unemployed. Turns out that only 5% of the fathers uh, that were stay-at-home dads wanted to do that. I think it starts that way, but then the thinking evolves. I hope you're right, because here's what I thought. I thought that the reason why I stayed home with the kids was because of my job. I was a stand-up comic, so it was pretty easy for me to be home. And then when I was traveling on the road, my wife had a job where she could work from home. So we just kind of would pass the torch back and forth. And then I got a job where I was gone nine to six and I realized I'm like, oh man, I'm as, as crazy as this sounds. I'm even saying it right now, right? I'm playing into this very thing we're here talking about as crazy. It sounds, I miss, I miss the frustration of taking care of my kids at home. I miss the annoyance and the yelling at them while I'm trying to cook dinner to, you know, get their rooms cleaned up. I missed being around them. And I felt like when I came home at five or six o'clock, two hours before they went to bed, it was like, I'd miss some part of their day. And uh, and so now I realize that I'm a I'm hoping that number, that five percent number that I told you about has come up to 21 percent of dads who are now choosing to stay. You know what I'm wondering as we get further into this gig economy and people aren't working at the factory for 35 years from nine to five anymore. Uh -uh. um, Jobs are sometimes kind of temporary or changing and uh, descriptions are changing. I'm wondering if the torch gets passed back and forth between mom and dad over the course of a kid's time at home i think you're right i think it's got to i think and and my dad when i first started doing the dad podcast i had him on and i was i was in the thick of it i was a stay-at-home dad and i said are what do you think are you are you disappointed that i'm not a manly enough man who can go home and bring home enough bacon that my wife can stay here and take care of the kids and he was like no he goes i wish that i could have the life that you have when when i started a family that wasn't even on the table and in today's culture you can play to your strengths that's the other thing. My wife and I got the Freaky Friday within the last year is that I was gone nine to six. She was working from home with the kids. And we both realized that we preferred the life we had before we made that change. Interesting. And I think we've done that even financially, where sometimes I make more money, she makes more money. Like there's that ebb and flow. And I think you're right, Chen. I think there will be an ebb and flow in who is the primary caregiver. I'm using quotes of the kids. What was your most annoying phrase that was ever said to you, Gary? I'm curious. Well, just uh, the, the one that I think is probably the clear example, which is um, it's it's good to see you or something about babysitting. You know, yeah. it's good to are you babysitting you today? Kids. There's also one, you're such a hands-on dad. Those are the two that always annoyed me the most, too. I, and I just go back to the whole Chris Rock, you know, the bit in his stand-up where he's like, it, uh, it's my... They're my kids. That's not babysitting. You're supposed to raise your kids. Yeah. I'm supposed to do that. Like, if I ever, uh, if I, I'm trying to think of an, if I took my kid to, I don't know, story time at the library or something like that, that there would be sort of this look like, wow, look how involved he is. Oh, father, he must yeah. be. And not only did I get hit on because of that, but just the idea that 
that I was incapable of doing at other times. Well, and here's the thing that uh, what I really think this does is it doesn't help almost any married dude out there with a family because all, a lot of stay-at-home moms that I've been around, trust me, I, I travel in those circles. It takes about 10 minutes before I blend in like Diane Fossey with the gorillas in the mist. And all of a sudden the husband bashing <laughs> begins and they just, and bright eyes all of a sudden starts talking about her real upset and the issues that she has, <laughs> how he doesn't watch the kids. He sleeps on the couch instead of watching the kids. He doesn't watch them. That kind of stuff happens, and I think what this does is while we still have the stigma about dads not being able to do it, it actually lingers, and, and it makes the dads a target because we feel like they feel like the bar is set so low. Right. And I get in fights. The, the fights I have with my wife are about how she will sometimes condescend to me, and I get in a fight. I'm like, no, no, you don't, you don't get to play that card. I'm not that dad. You don't get to act like there's never been a time where I've misdiagnosed an illness. We had a whole earache <laughs> issue that you got to go back and check out the misdiagnosed <laughs> It's a, I can't, I don't have time to go into it right now. Unless you want to talk about we come back. But are no bueno. They are. And, oh. oh. I'll tell well, here's I the think thing. we've got something to, something to unpack here. Yeah. Well, I also wanted to ask you a question, but we'll, we'll tell the earache story when we, uh, when we come back. And then I have a question for Miss Shannon about, uh, about dads. Okay. Gary and Shannon. People come to me for questions like that all the time. Justin Warsham, <laughs> host of the Dad Podcast, is joining us. I'm in deep with the skirt. Gary and Shannon, at the, uh, at the bottom of this hour, we're going to get an update on how things have been going in uh, court in Riverside County. The uh, Turpins, uh, in their preliminary hearing, the judge will decide whether or not they're going to be held over for trial. They will. I mean, 92 felony counts, and the information that's come out has been horrific, so we'll talk about that. Uh, Justin Warsham has joined us, host of The Dad Podcast. We've been talking about annoying things that dads have to face, annoying phrases, et cetera, like, hey, it's nice to see a guy looking after his kids, and hey, are you babysitting? And hey, I bet you can't wait till your wife comes back. <laughs> yeah. I, and Some of it's generational. Like if it's coming from older people who never had the dad at home to do the mm. child rearing, maybe that's You'd funny. Think. But I think uh, – I disagree. My mother-in-law did that. She goes, you know, your father never touched a diaper. She would say that all the time to my wife. You're just, and Justin, Nellie's just so lucky to have you. She's just, oh, you're just, you're so in it. You know, she was just so hands-on. And, uh, but then the minute I wasn't in the room, she'd be like, you know, he yells at the kids a lot. I just want you to know. Uh, oh, wow. And then, but you've also got a generation. That's, a, that's for, exciting to right? deal with. Isn't it fun? <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> we also had a generation. Mother-in-laws, right? It would be kids our—I mean, it would be people our age whose dads were in Vietnam, mm. who would have loved to have been around, yes, but, but couldn't have been. Well, even my dad—he wasn't involved in any of that stuff. He was just a working guy who, like I said in the last segment, he—I think he would have loved. And any time he could, he was. He was—he was invested. But yeah, you're right. That's a—that's a very, very good point. Uh, the story I wanted to tell was a, a situation where, and if my wife is listening, this could lead to another spat when I get home. Hopefully, she's working. But um, where I had this kind of <laughs> this kind of thing happen from my own wife, right? I'm a guy who made a living telling stories about being a husband and a father. Uh, I launched a podcast, a uh, very successful podcast of interviewing experts about parenting constantly. Are you texting my wife right now? I'm just, I'm not. (laughs) Do you want her to be mad at me? Are you trying to ruin my anniversary? I'm just making sure I don't have her number. Oh, you jerk. Don't. Uh, Good to know you got a friend in the room. (laughs) Um, So anyway, so there was a time where I was gone all day 
And I came home, and she said, uh, or no, she was gone all day. I was with the kids. I picked them up from school. They were running around. We had the pool set up because it was the end of the school year. So they were playing in the pool. Everything was fine. And this happens all the time. When she would come home from work, all of the ailments came home. All of a sudden, my kid, oh, oh, my back. Oh, my, uh, this hurts right here, Mom. And I get it. Like, moms kiss boo-boos, and I get it. It never offended me in any way, shape, or form. I thought it was nothing but amusing until this moment. I came home, uh, or she came home. And she's, uh, I went to bed because I was going to work on the morning show the next day. So I would go to uh, bed really early, like 7 o'clock. And my son came to her while she was putting them to bed and said, my ear hurts. I think, and she goes, oh, and she looks at it. She's like, do you have an earache? He goes, yeah. And she goes, well, what did your dad say? And he said, I didn't tell him. Because he doesn't care. Because he doesn't care? He doesn't care. And he said, he just says. I mean, there's a little truth to that. I'll so. be fine. Yeah, of course I don't care because he was running around all afternoon in and out of the pool. He was fine. So the next day, I come home from work, and my wife says, I want you to know what your son said to me last night. He said his ear hurt, and uh, the reason he didn't tell you is because he felt in his heart his truth. Was that you didn't care? She did not say his truth. His truth. Okay. No, she didn't. <laughs> I, I met your wife. I've hung out with her. She would not say things like his truth. <laughs> Sometimes you're inspired by the music in your head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I said, well, I go, no, it's not true that I don't care. I go, he's fine. He was running around playing all this stuff, right? So next day we're in the minivan, classic uh, household thing, you know. And at the time, we were, I was coaching his football team. So I would be at practice till like 9 o'clock at night and uh, still have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go to work. And so he says in the car, he said, Dad, my ear hurts. And we're driving to go to dinner or something. I said, well, what do you want me to do about it now? And he says to my wife, he goes, see, that's what I mean, mother. This is the insensitivity I have to deal with all day before you come home and save my heart. Uh, I can yes, totally you should see have immediately, that. immediately <laughs> driven him to urgent care. <laughs> right? Well, well driven, yeah. Driven. driven. Uh, so anyway, so I said, I go, you know what? You're right, son. I don't care. Ear infections are not something to mess around with, Justin. Well, here's the thing. My, my, in my <laughs> wife's defense, she has a couple of nieces who are hearing impaired, and they had a lot of earaches as a young child. So I get that she's hypersensitive. But I contend... That when you are an invested babysitting, uh, hands-on tent like myself, right. uh, that I, you don't have to worry about that. I've never had a situation where it's misdiagnosed or any of that kind of stuff. And all I say is that when I'm doing that, that gives me a certain level of credibility. You don't get to, you know, that kind of thing. And I said, this is where I did uh, fail him, though. I said, you know what? You're right, son. I don't care. That's, wh- that's why I'm up every night coaching football uh, and getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And when the football practice is over, that's why I stick around and run patterns and throw the ball around with my boy. Because, you know what? I don't care about him. That's right. Yeah, you're right. And so, <laughs> so I go, I call BS. I call BS because he didn't tell me about the ear because there's nothing really long, wrong with it. So a couple days later go by, and he, um, and now the ear is back, right? She goes, he's got, now this time she was with him all day. I was at an appearance. It was a Saturday. I came home and I said, great. I booked an appointment with the pediatrician. Later on that night, he said it was bothering him. I looked inside his ear to find the tiniest of pimples Hmm. on just the outside of his ear, just right there. So I could move his ear all around. It wouldn't bother him. But when you touch it. Oh. It hurts. So it wasn't like an inside the no, ear hurts. No, he had a pimple in his ear. I thought you were oh, going to tell me he had a, like a moth in yeah, his ear. No, I, not even. I that totally, would have been better. I thought it was going to be a plastic toy. So moral of the story is... <laughs> I found his brother. I canceled the appointment. <laughs> 
you turn your head for five seconds and one of them will climb in the other skull. So I told my wife I canceled the appointment. I said, see, there's no earache. It was a pimple. You didn't even look at it. But see my point? You told me to book an appointment. I booked an appointment. I didn't challenge. I didn't question. I just said, you got this. And you were wrong. But I don't care. Wow. I'm just saying. Those are loaded words right, right there. I'm lucky to be married. Trust you me. She's are, way out of my league, too. You shouldn't go home today. So anyway, uh, then a week goes by. Now he's got another earache. And she goes, I said, I'm telling you, honey, there's nothing wrong with him. She makes a quick trip to urgent care. Doctor takes a look in and he goes, there's a little bit of redness in the back. So here's a prescription. And he says, if you need it. So there was never an earache. That was a two-week endeavor. Possibly one of the biggest fights I've had mm-hmm. with my wife. Oh. My own wife. Questioning my fatherly abilities. Um, Oh, we're out of time, huh? But, I mean, the takeaway should be if there's something wrong, you go to mom with it. Yeah, thanks. That's the moral of the story. Perfect piano ending, too, isn't that? (laughs) Justin Warsham. Wow, we posted that. Come on. That's just good radio. It's still going. Oh, well, we'll edit this out in post. (laughs) Justin Warsham, host of the Divorce Podcast. Uh, which was a sequel to the Dad Podcast. Right, check Thank it you out. Very much. By the way, if you go to at Dad Podcast on Instagram, you can see some of my wife's and my interaction and how we get together for a seven-year-old's birthday party and nowadays. That sounds like fun. It's Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Gary and Shannon. We talked yesterday about that preliminary hearing for David and Louise Turpin in that Riverside County courtroom where prosecutors played the 911 call, a nearly 20-minute call from that 17-year-old Turpin kid who was able to escape the dungeon that these uh, siblings lived in and, uh, and, and make the call about her and her siblings living in this squalor uh, under this umbrella of abuse. The judge now says there is reasonable cause to believe the Turpins guilty of all but one of the charges said they will be held over for trial. August 3rd has been the date that they've set for arraignment. Chris Ancarlo is in the courtroom right now, um, unable to get away. We'll talk to him maybe later, but he is live tweeting everything that the judge commented on. I just retweeted uh, the last one that he uh, sent just a few minutes ago, actually, about the judge agreeing that there is reasonable cause. And that they will be held over for trial. Not a gigantic surprise in any way. One of the uh, side notes about this story that we learned in this preliminary hearing was more about their time in Texas. And there was some argument about whether or not that was even going to be allowed in as evidence. But for the first time, uh, we heard about the life in Texas and the lives of these children while in Texas. One of the siblings, uh, who is now 25 told uh, investigators that the parents largely abandoned their children for about three or four years, where they had all of the kids living in a trailer while mom and dad lived in an apartment not far far away, and that one of the older sisters and the older brothers, that 25-year-old who was saying this, that those two were the ones who were left in charge of all of the other kids. The parents continued communicating with the kids over the phone, but did kind of use the two older siblings as their henchmen, uh, used them to punish the other kids in the parents' absence. Uh, The punishments included locking the children in cages, a dog kennel. The young man agreed to inflict the punishments because he was terrified of what his parents would do to him. 
and his siblings if he defied them. He says to the the investigator, I chose to take the correct path and try and keep my siblings alive. Uh, The prosecutor was arguing about the Texas evidence, uh, which factors into the California torture charges. Um, And in he did cite the 5150s that the adult children had to be placed on because they couldn't care for themselves, saying we have a 29-year-old with a third-grade education. That's that's the mental capacity. Chris was also talking this morning with Handel about the physical deficiencies that these kids had because of the incredibly bad conditions that they were living in, including uh, a teenager who had a, an upper arm circumfer- circumference of a four-month-old baby. That's how bad. And I cannot imagine if you were one of the detectives, one of the first people into that house to have seen the conditions oh, that these kids were in. What a horror show. A, I mean, it's, it's one thing to go into a, a crime scene, for example. Uh, but to see someone actually living through these conditions is almost worse. I, I don't know if that's worse. That's probably not the right way to put it. But it's it's definitely going to stick with whoever it is that saw this stuff. Yeah, I don't know how you come back to that when you are programmed for 29 years to be under the control of people and, and, and punished like that. You know, there was that story of the girls up in that house in Cleveland. Right. I forget his name, but there were three girls and they had been kept there for a, a period of years. Ariel Castro. Ariel Castro. One of the girls, of course, I follow their lives when People Magazine does profiles on them. Sure. That's... You know, that's what you do. Uh, One of the girls seems to have bounced back, started living a normal life, uh, you know, got a job, started. But there was another girl that was in the same situation that didn't do so well. You know, it's all going to be about personality uh, on these kids. You know, some may go on to live normal lives, but some just won't ever have that chance because of the severe physical and mental abuse that they endured for so long. I can imagine that the old, the younger ones are going to have a better chance at recovery just because of their, they have more time. They have the ability to learn. Their minds are more spongy. I don't know. And at least they have each other. Yeah. But I don't know how much they're going to be able to stay around because even if the older ones are left, you know, sort of in charge of their younger siblings, they're the ones who are probably the most damaged by all yes, this. Yes, I think so, you're right. So it almost has to be where they're, the adult children, the oldest of these children, are placed in some sort of adult care facility. And then maybe the kids somewhere in the middle there in the you know late teenage years now are the ones who would be able to learn, uh, I wouldn't say relearn, but learn how to take care of themselves and their younger siblings. It's just, a, I mean, this is a horrific thing. And by the way, uh, he's got a haircut. You mentioned, uh, Chris Carlo mentioned that uh, David Turpin now has a haircut, so it's not that crazy dumb and dumber look. But now he looks like he looks like John Daly, the golfer, on a really bad day. There is some breaking news on this case, guys. The judge uh, just ruled that those parents, there is enough evidence for them to stand trial. Yeah. Uh, one of the big questions today was, will the evidence from Texas be able to be used in this California court case? Um, the PD wanted all of the evidence stricken. Um, in the preliminary hearing, there's the looser rules. So you can pretty much get in a lot of what you might not be able to get in once the case goes to trial. Um, but the judge ruled on that, saying uh, that 
Texas could be confused with California among jurors, what happened there versus what happened here, uh, that it could also prejudice jurors. I'm reading from Chris and Carlos tweets from the courtroom, um, but says the evidence is extraordinarily relevant to the grand story that's being told. The judge said the alleged crimes in Texas were done with a purpose, which shows a common plan and motive, because much of what was done in Texas was done in California. It's kind of like a pattern of behavior thing. Continued here, that's for sure. Right. So it looks like uh, the uh, the Texas stuff will come in. And again, we are waiting for uh, for Chris to be able to get out of the courtroom and talk with us. And when he is available, we'll definitely break in and talk to him right away. But again, the big deal is that the judge has decided that they can be held over for trial, and we'll see when that thing starts. Arraignment is set for August 3rd, and Hugh Hefner's son is trying to save the Playboy empire. We'll tell you his story when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. You don't have to have that look on your face every time we talk about anything involving Playboy. The poor house. The poor carpet. <sighs> Ew. The linens. Remember the linens? Shannon. You see Nick take off running down the hall? Yeah, I thought he had sciatica. I, Why? I, a, he does have a sciatica issue that uh, we dealt with. he does not. Well, we dealt with it yesterday. He was really limping. He does not. If he had a sciatica issue, it wouldn't be gone already. It comes and goes. Oh, Blake. look at you, doctor. I thought yeah. you were a detective. You're, you're 25. You don't know anything multiple, about sciatica. Multiple things. It no, comes and it goes. One day it can You know be what fine. else happens is pinched nerves. You just diagnosed Nick with no. a pinched nerve? Yeah, she diagnosed him with sciatica. Why is well, mine ridiculous? Pin- sciatica I have the sciatica is due to yeah. a pinched nerve. Oh, good. We're on the same page here. Good job, no, guys. We're not. You know what? I'm feeling something did, again right now. Let me just say also, like, the only way that you're really going to be able to fully diagnose Nick's sciatic problem is for you to get in there. I yesterday. What does that entail? Yeah, what does that mean? What do you mean get in there? What Nick's was that? Gonna, Nick's going to have to drop the shades. Is that what you call pants? Did we not tell you about yesterday? Oh, is that what you guys were doing? Okay. Kids. Hugh Hefner's 26-year-old son, Cooper. Time out. Yeah. If you take a black and white picture of Cooper Hefner. I know. He looks exactly like his dad. I know. Like from the late 50s, early 60s, Hugh Hefner. Same body, the same face, same hair. He might be a little thicker. T-H-I-C-C thick, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, so we're fat shaming today as well? No, I'm just saying he's – Hugh Hefner in his, in his, I guess, the entire lifetime, but was never a filled-out man. He was – Cooper does have broader skinny. shoulders, I think. And his face looks rounder, like he's got actually eaten something. Right. Yeah. Well, Cooper is trying to revitalize what was once the great Playboy empire. Of course, in 2015, they – announced abruptly that they were no longer going to publish nudes. And Cooper says now, exasperated, that's the exact opposite of what makes Playboy Playboy. We should not apologize for sex. And that does sound like Hugh Hefner, doesn't it? Sure. Sounds like something he would have said back in the 60s, of course. Before he was Weekend at Bernie's. (sighs) Yes. He wants to figure out how to get Playboy's identity back. Um... Playboy's chief executive Ben Cohen says they've depart there's been a departure from Playboy's 
identity that made it Playboy. He says, you know, we're, produ- we're producing twerking videos. Uh, what what are we going to do here? I found this an interesting read uh, in terms of his his view on all of this because of what it is that he feels that they've gone away from. Like, I mean, his his comment, we should not apologize for sex, seems very Hugh Hefter. It's very much like his dad. And he said the path forward is it should look back to the days of when Hugh Hefner started the magazine. In the, in the very first issue of Playboy, Hugh Hefner wrote that they want to that, – that men of a certain class are looking for the company of women for, as a quote, a quiet discussion on Picasso, Nietzsche, jazz, sex. A certain class of gentlemen is looking for that in their work. Well, the articles were very good. I mean, that, that wasn't just a joke. Didn't say they weren't, but you know, a man that can that can uh, appreciate art and culture, and philosophy and breasts, attribute uh, appealing to that guy instead of the guy who's watching porn. Okay, that's fine, and I get I get that, but there's never been somebody who said, I'm not going to buy a Playboy because of the interviews and because of the fantastic writing. Does that make sense? I mean, yes, I understand he was a play- he was appealing to a higher class of gentlemen who would love to read an in-depth interview with George Carlin or Donald Schultz or something like that. Oh, and it just happens to be that that 20-year-old whose you know, favorite hobby is making her own sandals while walking on the beach in Venice with no clothes on, that didn't. The idea that they're getting away I think, from I think the sex. Playboy, I think there's a. I think there's definitely a market for Playboy the way that it was now, because uh, not everybody, not every guy wants to watch the porn. You know, it's uh, for whatever reason. I think that this is a tasteful way to still have the images that you all, not not you, but that men enjoy. Um, I don't enjoy naked ladies. Not strange naked ladies, I don't think. Do you? I mean, don't, don't answer that. But What do you mean by strange? Strangers. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, I like it, it's like a... I like, it's a, like, a, a, I like them weird. You know, like a, like a lifestyle page, you know, something... Uh, you know, that's what magazines are. They, they offer up products. They offer up uh, literature, things that they think that their reader wants to get into. And I think there's definitely room. I mean, I, I'm not uh, – I am not completely familiar with all the publications available for men out there. I haven't picked up a GQ in 500 years. Uh, Maxim, well, I don't know what that's into. but And those, I think, were all – Esquire is another one prob- probably to a degree. Those all kind of, I think, came out of the Playboy sure. model yes. without the women. Or, or I should say without the nudity. There's still plenty of pictures of half-naked women. but. Yeah. But they they had the the entertainment value, and you wouldn't feel like your soul was leaving your well, body. You wouldn't feel ashamed if you took a GQ onto an onto an airplane or right. something like that and, right. and read flip through it, as opposed to a Playboy, which would you know you got to get through some some saucy parts to get to the long interview with. Uh, George H. W. Bush or something. I think there are probably men that don't like to watch the 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 porn. Then do feel like it's a little soulless and felt like Playboy was uh, the good, happy medium. 
And I think that was their product, was the girl next door style. Right. They're getting away from that. One of the things that they have talked about doing now is um, instituting the diversity, or I should say pulling the diversity trigger. It's probably a better way to put it. Because instead of just doing the, the bubble-headed blonde or the, you know, the redhead or all white girls, basically, they have been changing the Entertainment for Men logo to Entertainment for All. For example, last fall... They had their first transgender playmate. Okay. I uh, Okay. Is that jumping the shark? I think so. I don't know in 2018. But I think that the guy, you know, I'm not going to profile who's into looking at naked transgender people. Well, here's the thing about that. When you look at that centerfold and you see that she's 19, are you interested in her backstory? Or are you just watching the, I mean, you're just... You're just looking at what you're seeing there. I don't think anybody's, you know. Yeah, but there's that whole thing into, like, tricking guys into that that doesn't go over very well. I don't know. Uh, why, in, I, in 2018, <laughs> does Playboy have a future? I think it does. I think it does. I think the pendulum swings the other way from gross porn and back to a little bit of classy porn. To normal Wonder Bread, vanilla. Yeah. In and out menu. And not even necessarily, I don't mean it in a white way. I just mean that. No, 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 no. I just mean you don't need it's the a step up from factory a, menu. It's a step up from a Polaroid in the bathroom mirror because it's more professionally done, but. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, took a, that took a turn, didn't it? Coming up next, uh, everything that's relevant, everything that everyone relevant. is talking about everywhere, we'll have it right here on Gary and Shannon. What is going on? Because the House voted on one immigration bill today, and then soon after that one, that was the more uh, more hardline version of it. I think that was from Bob Goodlatte. That failed, and then they said, we're going to vote on the next one tomorrow because there's still disagreement about what they're going to do. Okay, so Melania Trump went to uh, one of these centers where they're holding the kids, right? Uh, in McAllen, Texas, a mm-hmm. shelter for children there. Apparently, everyone's losing their mind because she was wearing a jacket upon arrival at Andrews. It was a khaki green Zara jacket, and on the back it says, scrawled in white, I really don't care, do you? Question mark. It's a jacket. Is that what? Okay, now yes, somebody should have seen that and said, um, uh, "Miss First Lady, uh, I you could want to borrow my jacket." Right. It doesn't say anything on the back. That right. I mean, it was a bad style choice, no matter where you're going. I was more interested in the fact that it was a thirty-nine dollar jacket. Well, I think she wore that because of that reason. Because, because she knew it was a thirty-nine dollar yeah, jacket. She, you look like a, every woman. Hmm. Uh, People are losing their minds over this administration. We've got another example of that coming up. Uh, What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. This is where we go through all the stories that are trending the highest on social media right now. 
One of the big ones is sales tax is trending. Supreme Court ruled five to four, broke 50 years worth of legal rulings that uh, that broke with the 50 years, I should say, that barred the states from imposing sales taxes on most of the purchases that people in state make from out of state retailers. So now states can require Internet retailers and looking at you, Amazon, to collect state sales taxes, which, by the way, they have been doing. Yeah, the president uh tweeted in early April that Amazon pays little or no taxes to state and local governments. Now, that's not correct. Uh, Amazon has collected taxes for the past uh, year or so on sales to customers in the 45 states that collect them. That leaves out Alaska, Delaware, Montana, New Hampshire, and Oregon. South Dakota said the states could pick up a combined $34 billion a year if the court allowed them to tax Internet sales. Uh, I love that the GAO said, uh, not so fast, South Dakota. Not $34 billion, more like $13 billion. Either way, uh, this this is good news, I guess, if you're a mom-and-pop store. Yes. Um, but – and it's not going to – this does not impact Amazon at all. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make a dent in their online no. uh, presence at all. Uh, one of the other stories that has been just horribly sad today was the fact that uh, Coco the Gorilla died at the age of 46. Coco – a thoughtful gorilla who captivated the world through her ability to use sign language was 46. She passed away in her sleep. Um, Just like the gambler says, you should. What? The gambler, the best way to go is to die in your sleep. That's morose. Kenny Rogers. I don't think I've ever realized that lyric was in there. Is that your phone? Yeah, it does. Someone's calling me from... Someone's calling me from Jackson, Wyoming, which makes Jackson a lot of Hall? sense. No, just Jackson. Oh. Um, Coco had adopted several cats at one point, including the first one, whom she named All Ball. Shut- All Ball was a cat that eventually escaped and got hit by a car. How was she able to adopt so many cats? I mean, it's a pretty strict process when you go to the Humane Society. She, she was, was she prob- able to fill out that paperwork? She could have adopted Chubby. Oh, speaking of chubby, I found out chubs, that, not chubby. Whatever, uh, I found out that somebody was fat shaming Coco recently because she was about twenty, thirty pounds over the weight that a normal lowland mm-hmm. gorilla of her age should weigh. Uh huh. They're telling her she was fat. Who told her she was fat? People who said that uh, who check the weight of lowland gorillas. Demi Lovato's got a new single, and it is troubling. Mm, do you remember this when we saw her in uh, in Philadelphia? Yes. I got no excuses for all of these goodbyes. That was pretty cool. Call me when it's over, because I'm dying inside. She sang her song Confident at the time, uh, right in the middle of her sobriety. Six years of sobriety. But in her new song Sober, she, she's 25, by the way. She sings she's not sober anymore. Uh-oh. And apologizes to the ones who never left her side and fans following her journey. She had problems with alcohol, with cocaine, with Xanax. You talked about uh, one of the things you read said that she was sneaking cocaine onto airplanes. Yeah. I'm assuming she was doing private planes. At that time. She was going on just benders. Um, she says six years ago. Uh, okay. She marked six years sober on March 15th. She celebrated the milestone on Instagram with a self-love t-shirt and a thank you to fans. 
And the next night, she was on tour, and she gave this speech saying, six years ago, I was drinking vodka out of a Sprite bottle at 9 in the morning, throwing up in the car. And I just remember thinking, this is no longer cute. This is no longer fun. And I'm just like my dad. She said, so I took a look at my life, and I said, something has to change. Well, I I like Demi Lovato. I I do, too. But the lyrics of this song are... Yeah. For the man that left my bed For making love the way I saved For you inside my head And I'm sorry for the fa- There's a lot going on in there. There's some pain in that song. Okay, have you heard the uproar over Kevin McHale? Kevin McHale. Or, wait, former Celtic, Boston Celtic Kevin McHale? Celtic's great, yes. First of all, I haven't seen Kevin McHale in 30 years, I think. He, so he, when I saw him, I was like, that's not Kevin McHale. <laughs> Uh, we all age. Note to selves. Um, but Kevin McHale shows up at a um, at a Trump rally in the. Cr- He's not even like speaking at it. He's just in the crowd. Somebody zooms in, is able to pick out his face in this huge crowd, and the internet ignites. I mean, it, it just it just freaking fires itself up over Kevin McHale and how he should never work in the NBA again, should never have a job commentating or doing anything in the NBA. And it's like, is that really what we've become? Kevin McHale has different politics than you, so now he never works again? What the hell? He shows up at a rally. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. He's just there showing support for somebody you don't like. And in America, we're going to say, oh, so now now you're dead to us. You'll never work in this town again. This is the stupidity of people who who think that that type of a protest is going to keep Donald Trump from being elected again. This is the stupidity of it. You hate that guy. You hate Donald Trump so much. You're not going to allow somebody to exercise their free right to go to one of his rallies. Or how about this? Uh, when when Robert De Niro gets up in front of the Tony Awards and yells out F Trump. Did that turn anyone off of Donald Trump or did it say, you know what? I'm sick of people like Robert De Niro telling me who I should like and who I shouldn't like. You egotistical, unconnected, and out-of-touch a-hole. It's just a next level, you know? It's just it's just really bottom-of-the-barrel stuff. Anyway, whatever. Would you – and by the way, there was a Do radio about, host. Oh, there was a radio toast, uh, toast, host who had supposedly uh, scheduled an interview with Kevin McHale, canceled the interview. Yeah, okay. And then claimed that Kevin McHale was one of his childhood idols. Joe Montana shows up to a Donald Trump. I don't even want to say that. Joe Montana shows up to something that you don't like. He drinks red wine instead of Chardonnay. Okay, if Joe Montana showed up. But you've already got him booked for an interview. Okay, Joe Montana shows up to like a Seahawks fan appreciation day. I don't like it at all. I don't appreciate the Seahawks, right? I mean, now I don't really care because they're terrible, but two years ago, right? <laughs> I, that would get my blood boiling. It would make me feel sad, but it wouldn't take my joy for all the, the joyous Sundays no. that Joe Montana gave me away. You know what I heard about Joe Montana? He's pretty good. Yeah. Jared Goff thinks he's pretty good. He's pretty good. <laughs> uh, we'll come back. We'll do this quick story about the lady eating a hot dog with her face. And then... The new challenge, the new internet challenge. We got to find out something. We got to find something like this for the show. I can't believe that somebody okayed shooting hot dogs into the stands. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment.
blind spots that we're learning about this week. Yeah, somebody, uh, in response to the Kevin McHale story. Yeah, this was a tweet. We don't know this guy, and it's not to us necessarily, but it's in response to that Kevin McHale story. The former Boston Celtics player was seen at the uh, Donald Trump rally last night. Somebody wrote, people want Kevin McHale fired for supporting Trump. Carl Malone got a 12-year-old pregnant, and he's a Hall of Famer. So we went down that uh, Google hole. Uh, yeah. It looks like when he was a sophomore, well, he had a first set of twins at 17, and then when Carl Malone was a sophomore in college, he had a relationship with a 12-year-old from the same town. She gave birth at 13. The son, uh, Demetrius, went on to play for the Bills, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. The twins apparently were uh, pretty good basketball players, too, Daryl and Cheryl. He has never offered, Carl Malone has never offered public confirmation that he is the father of Demetrius Bell. But uh, I guess lab tests point to an over 99% probability that that's the kid. father was either Malone or a brother of Malone. And I don't even know if he has any. All right, here you go. Uh, so there was a, um, the, the one story we couldn't get to in the trending segment was the story of Kathy McVeigh. She was at Monday night's Phillies game when the Philly fanatic rolled out a hot dog launcher. First of all, yeah. there's got to be a better name for that. Like a, it's got like the 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 Wiener Whipper or something like that is probably better than hot dog launcher. But it's a compressed air. You know they shoot T-shirts all over the time in Staples Center. They do this all, all over the place, but they shoot stuff out into the crowd. And hey, it's free. Hot dogs. Doesn't seem like a good idea. Uh, shooting hot dogs into a crowd seems like a poor idea because hot dogs are are pretty cumbersome. I mean, you you shoot a hot dog, yes, hard enough with enough velocity, and it can velocity it can do some real damage. I'm watching the video of Tommy Lasorda beating up Philly fanatic. Oh. <laughs> the Kathy, by the way, looks exactly like the reincarnation of Gene Stapleton from All in the Family. Oh, um, she said she has a she shoulder. does look like her. <laughs> she has a shoulder injury, so she was unable to swat the hot dog away. And she said, I think it just came so fast. It just hit me like that. I didn't even realize it. The hot dog bounced off my face and into the other seat. It give If it gives people a good laugh and it makes somebody chuckle, then that's fine. She left the game to go to the hospital. She, her face is a mess. Well, she's got a black eye. Her little, her right eye has a, a pretty good bruise underneath it right there. It looks like she caught it the bridge of her nose as well. Um, the Phillies apologized to her. They have offered her tickets to any game. Um, I would suggest that she pick a World Series game, although I don't know when the next time the Phillies are going to be in the World Series. Okay, you have to tell me about this XXX Tentacion Challenge. Listen, it's a new... We told you about this guy, the guy that was uh, shot and killed earlier this week that was totally in our blind spot. Neither of us had heard of this guy. There was a, There's a very disturbing trend that has surfaced on social media now called the XXX Tentacion Challenge, where you upload pictures of yourself slumped over in a car like he was. That's awful. Not only is that awful, Who is there nothing else? Is there no other way? Listen, if you want to if you want to memorialize the guy, like if he made an impact and you thought he was one of the great up-and-coming young voices of American hip-hop today, that's how you're going to memorialize him is with a picture of yourself slumped over a steering wheel? Oh, my gosh. Kids are terrible. They really are. What would... What would our internet challenge be? 
I, I would like to have somebody, a, a gas challenge. Somebody did say that one suggestion, I don't know if this is going to go oh, very far. pumping gas while passing gas? <laughs> yeah. That's not our challenge. That's oh. not the winner. Ew. Okay. God, people are awful, not just kids. <laughs> I know. All, all of humanity. We need to take a good hard look I like, at ourselves. I like maybe taking fun pictures with unicorns, oh. like unicorn things around. Well, that sounds okay. nice. That's, be careful with that. That okay. sounds very nice. Because people are going to, they're going to say, "Hey, where do I get a horn from?" And then, I would vote for that. Mm. What yeah, do you mean? It might get misinterpreted a little bit. Yeah. I think I, Blake, Blake guys, and I are on the same in the page. The whole here. Jeez, history of this show, nobody has ever sent us any of those types of pictures. Oh and now God. you're going to get them, that. Jesus, Dude, Shannon. Dump that. Dump. Jeez, that's. No, that's I'm just saying, people aren't as bad as you think they are, and now they will be. Yeah, great. You're welcome. I think that they're just going to take pictures with unicorns. I'm just going to log out. How dare you, sully unicorns? All of our social media for the next 48 hours. See, I meant it in good faith, yeah. I agree. and you guys I, just. I didn't put it there. We poo pooed all over it. We just know our listeners. You got to assume the worst in people. I mean, when oh. we come back, Swamp Watch. The House is voted, has voted on some legislation, and has apparently punted on some other legislation. All about what's going on with this uh, new plan for immigration when we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Nobody's going to send us bad pictures. Now everyone will. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon, a lot of moving parts when it comes to this order that families not be separated at the border. The Justice Department has formally asked a federal judge to change the rules on detaining families caught at the border. Uh, The House is set to vote today on legislation that is going to try and end this separation at the border. Megan Hughes is covering it all and joins us now. Man, can you help straighten some of this out? I, I can try. Uh, good. <laughs> I can try. Good. Let's um, let's start. It, let's start in the House because we know that they did vote today on one bill, and it looks like they've uh, postponed the next one. That's right. So the bill that that they voted on and failed was the more conservative version. Now, to be clear, at the very beginning of the day, it was expected that both of these bills could be could potentially fail. And you had the president himself tweeting that if it made it to the Senate, it was unlikely to go anywhere because they didn't have enough Democrats on board. So what we're engaged in, you had House Speaker Ryan repeating that um, ahead of these votes. So we're engaged in what appears to be a fruitless effort, but House Republicans are still scrambling, trying to get votes together to pass what's being known here on Capitol Hill, what's being called a compromise bill. But I, I need to express the caveat that this is a compromise between hardline Republicans and moderate Republicans. Democrats are not on board with this at all. What does this entail? It's not just about the separation of families. There's other things in in there. You got it. And it's a lot of the same things that have been poison pills for for bills in the past, uh, a poison pill for Democrats, uh, being making steep cuts to legal legal immigration programs. So chain migration, ending family-based migration, $23 billion for the president's border wall, uh, which has been a priority for President Trump. Um, It it also makes it harder to seek asylum, and and it deals with dreamers and a path to citizenship for some, um, largely based on merit. 
All right. So yesterday's executive order that the president signed uh, would was designed to keep families together. Does anyone down the chain, whether it's Customs and Border Protection, ICE in general, Homeland Security, does does anyone know exactly how that's being handled on the border? Well, I think um, we're going to see it unfold, and, and I will also mention that these Republican bills that we're talking about would do something very similar but codify what that executive order does. So families would be detained together while the adults are going through their criminal proceedings. Now, and, and it also um, includes some, some money to, to build facilities for DHS to start housing families together. Um, I think a lot of the logistics right now are being worked out as to, as to how to reconfigure things um, to have families housed together. One of the huge questions with the executive order that also remains unanswered in this House Republican measure that's that's yet to be voted on is this issue of the 2,000-plus children who have already been separated, who are in detention facilities right now. Um, how How are those children reunited with their parents? This bill doesn't answer that. The executive order does not answer that. So we're going to have to build new facilities. I mean, that sounds like it is going to be a serious time drain. Yeah. And and what we do in the meantime, I don't know. I mean, how, what are you going to do with the families that cross the border? And now uh, they're going through the courts, they're going through Congress, making it um, policy that we don't separate them, but we don't have anywhere to put the families. So, so then what? And you have a number of Democrats who are saying that this is still um, – this is now about detaining children. Courts are going to be weighing in on this for indefinite periods of time. Um, this is exactly what that Flores settlement that the executive order tries to undo was meant to protect children from being detained right. for long periods of time. Right. Um, and, and you have Democrats calling these family internment camps that we're going to be talking about. Oh, boy. It's horrible. That's a horrible term, too. That's not the I don't think anybody wants to revisit that. Uh, all right, Megan, thank you so much. Thank you. Glad to be with you guys. Um, when when we talk about that, that Flores agreement, the Flores settlement, it's a uh, it's a 30 year old case now. Almost in the 80s, there were several lawsuits that were filed over the treatment of kids who were in the care of the U.S. government unaccompanied minors. And everybody remembers that term from a couple of years ago. And one of them happened to be filed by the ACLU on behalf of a 15-year-old girl from El Salvador named Jenny Lizette Flores. She had left El Salvador to come to the United States to find an aunt who was living here, but was caught by um, border agents, by federal authorities there on the border. There was some sort of decision that because she wasn't being released to a parent that she couldn't go to the aunt, so she was thrown into... uh a home. Right. Uh, it turned out that this case goes through several federal courts before it gets to the Supreme Court in 93. And the high court mostly sided with the government to be able to um, to keep kids, you know, unaccompanied minors because they did break the law in coming into the United States illegally. But they decided that they would get into uh, or agree to a consent decree uh, agreed to by the administration at the time, which happened to be the Clinton administration and the plaintiffs. So this is known, that consent decree is known as the Flores Settlement, and it set the standards for these minors who were in the custody of federal authorities, specifically unaccompanied minors. Now, the question is, how in the separation of families that we've seen for the last few weeks that we're talking about, 
how is that person considered an unaccompanied minor? It's interesting that you should ask that. When someone crosses the border and is immediately taken away to be processed by the Department of Justice, then that child that's left or kid or whatever is considered an unaccompanied minor. So that's why the Flores settlement even pertains to these people. So this agreement that was entered into 1997 says that children be released as soon as possible to either their their parent, a legal guardian, or another relative or a, a, vent- a vetted entity willing to take legal custody. And an order also requires those minors who would be kept in federal custody to be placed in the absolute least restrictive conditions possible and be provided with basic necessities, which we would all, of course, want food, water, medical treatment, um, and that they be separated from adults to whom they had no relation. So they're not just put into a, a cavernous room with thousands of people that they don't know. This would be a huge upset in the World Cup. Croatia. Argentina and Croatia. Croatia's up to, to zip here, uh, and they, things they are getting chippy. Zip. They don't say You know zip. what they say? Jivali. What does that mean? It means cheers in Croatian. Oh, I thought you meant that zero is nil. Don't they say that, Blake? Am I right? They say nil. To nil. But yeah. Jivali. The Croatians are going nuts. When we come back, uh, ABC stepped on their own junk again when it comes to the president. All, look, all you have to do, you, you don't have to like the guy. Just don't do stupid things. This is another one of those we too low stories. Duh. That means yes. <laughs> I know. I, I got it. Gary and Shannon will continue Swamp Watch. Monica Ricks has an update on the news. No name. That means please. No. <laughs> If you know somebody who is Argentinian, maybe you don't call them today. Or maybe you do to check up. They got 30 seconds. Maybe you you just give them a mourning period over this football. A friend of mine posted something on Instagram about her watching it while she's at work. Yeah. It's like the rest of the day she's not getting nothing. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, people are, are legitimately crying right now. But not in Croatia. Croatia, Croatia, very happy. That sounded pretty good. Thank you. Say it quickly. No one cares. Swamp Watch. Uh, we talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. We know that uh, the National Security Advisor and his mustache, John Bolton and John Jr., are going to visit Moscow next week to uh, try to broker some sort of a meeting between uh, President Trump and President Putin. June 25th through 27th. So next week, uh, John Bolton's meeting with allies in London and Rome to talk about national security issues. And then we'll make a stop in Moscow as well in terms of setting up some sort of a meeting. They haven't said exactly uh, when they wanted to do this. Uh, It is possible, according to the president, that he would meet with Putin sometime this summer. Uh, I guess the two leaders floated the idea when they spoke by phone in April and the last held meetings last summer uh, summer in Hamburg, Germany, during the G20 summit. So uh, once a once a year, apparently, is when they're getting together. You see this ABC thing? So you remember you remember the I think it was Korean Airlines, right? That fl- flew into San Francisco and dragged tail on the We Too Low. Yeah, 
mm-hmm. and somebody actually put it in the computer and then somebody actually put it in the news script and then somebody at the anchor desk read something wong something wong we too low bang something and ow. and bang ding ow holy poop right and somebody read all of those names Some... and not one of them went hey wait a minute i cannot get over that happening it happened again. What? Maybe not the same exact thing. Tell me more. But somebody was farting around backstage and was goofing around with a Chiron at ABC News. Chiron, by the way, is the lettering that shows up. It's the computer program software. In? This was national. Okay. This was national. What, World News Tonight or something? It was the ABC News national feed. Okay. And it was a it was a view of the president talking to pool reporters and down the the lettering down below said Manafort pleads guilty to five charges of manslaughter. I did see that. Okay. Now, first of all, somebody's screwing around back in the back and they wrote it and they're like, Hey, hey Shannon, hey Blake, hey Nick, check this out. Wouldn't this be funny? Do 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 I should totally delete it though before Oh my god, somebody just put it on television. And then they put it up there. ABC News PR has its own Twitter account. And they said, we regret and apologize for the false lower third graphic that aired during our special report. We're investigating how incorrect information was in our system and how and why it was allowed to air. We apologize to our viewers and to to Mr. Manafort. There simply is no excuse for this sort of mistake. If you find somebody that did that, they don't work at ABC News anymore, right? You got to get rid of that guy. Yeah, you get rid of that guy. Pretty cool. Uh, Jimmy Fallon is talking about the personal anguish he felt following the interview he did with Donald Trump in September of 2016, I think it was. Do you remember? He, it was the one where he said, hey, can I touch your hair? Right. He, yeah. And he there was extreme backlash because he didn't rake Trump over the coals right. because he was having fun with him. And he, in fact, saw his numbers go down severely with people jumping the ship over to Stephen Colbert. Um, because Colbert made his program more about politics and Trump hating. Uh, in that vein, by the way, anyway, Fallon says, yeah, I felt personal pain about it. The backlash was insane. Like, I just did a fun interview. And what's funny is that he's now, he's surprised by it. I mean, we see, look, the Kevin McHale story for yeah. today. Kevin McHale didn't even talk to the guy, right. showed up at one of these rallies in Minnesota, and is now being raked over the coals for, for having been there. And the being people, told, people, people are calling for his head, telling him he should he, the NBA should fire him and should never work again, just for just for his political beliefs. In just his, for, you know, and maybe it's because for some people, Trump is more than that. He represents more than a political belief. You know, I think that's where the vitriol comes from um, because of the way he talks about women and, and, and all of that and, and the way he treats people. And But uh, it's a real dangerous thing to vilify somebody for their for the political they... persuasion. Yeah. Um, Stephen Colbert, I caught some of his program uh, this morning. Actually, I was looking at what he did last night on this uh, this presidential order to stop the separation of families. And he's. Talking crap about Trump, and then he says, but, you know, he, you know, and how horrible it is to have kids separated from the parents. And he goes, but you know what? He caved. He sure caved. It's like, but isn't this what you wanted? And now you're going after him for doing what you wanted. Right. You just can't have it both ways. Well, it's the same thing about people who are going to complain that the executive order now doesn't spell out what to do with the kids or the families or the, well, hold on. If you're going to, if you're going to, 
yell as loud as you were yelling, and then this guy does do something like this, you can't then continue to yell. Now you say, okay, we got something. Right. Now let's go and figure out how we're going to implement this and make sure that this stuff never happens again. Yeah. All right, we come back. Um, Jim Ryan is actually going to join us from El Paso, and we're going to talk more about this. What actually happens to those kids who are separated from their parents at the border? And maybe... uh, how it is that our own Mayor Garcetti got involved in all of this. What is he doing in Texas? Gary and Shannon, more coming up next. Gary and Shannon. It's Thursday. Next segment, we are going to check in with our tech guy, Mark Saltzman. A couple of things, like including how to extend Wi-Fi in your room or in your house, like to the backyard for your summer plans. The bottom of this hour, Chris Ann Carlo is going to join us for the update on the decision today out of Riverside County to hold the Turpins over on dozens and dozens of uh, child abuse charges shackling in some of their kids and that just deplorable conditions in uh, that home in Paris. Well, while all of this, what are we going to do with families at the border gets sorted out? We don't know uh, what's going to happen for the kids that have been separated from their parents at the border. Jim Ryan joins us now from El Paso uh, with the latest. Jim, what do you know? Hey, Shannon. Yeah, it's so hard to say. It's kind of up in the air, despite the executive order the president signed yesterday, which I mandated that going forward, the families would be kept together. If they're coming across the border illegally, they won't be split up as they have been for about the last month and created what really has been a PR nightmare, I think, for the administration. But the kids who are already being detained, who are held in the facilities here in Texas and around the country, they apparently are going to stay there until their parents or their guardians' cases, their immigration cases, are resolved. So, in other words, it could still be quite some time that these detention facilities are open and that these kids, thousands of them now, are uh, remaining in those facilities. So, at this point, we don't even know what's going on actually on the border, do we? Where if a family comes across, what, how, how Customs and Border Protection officers are handling them? Well, they're supposed to be keeping the families together. They, instead of breaking them up and, you know, charging the parents with, uh, with committing a crime, the crime being coming into the country illegally, as they've been doing under this uh, zero-tolerance policy, they are being handed off as a family to uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Now, it becomes their job to determine, are they, do they put them all in, a, in some kind of larger holding facility? Do they re- release them on their own recognizance and, and uh, hope that they come back for an immigration hearing? Uh, it's now left up to ICE to determine that. But so, you know, another couple of uh, complications have been created for, by this whole thing. That is the uh, this complication of entire families now that could be displaced and also all the thousands of kids who are still in detention facilities. I guess I'm not certain. Um, I heard you do a report earlier about the mayors from around the nation that got together. They were planning yeah. to get together to protest long before the executive order was signed yesterday, right? 
Yeah, well, at least within the last week or so, uh, the, the mayoral organization that, uh, of which uh, members come from all across the country, about 20 of them came down here to the border, including uh, Governor Garcetti, he, uh, Governor Mayor Garcetti. He, he was wishes he was governor. It's not... No, he wants president. <laughs> he, he wants to be president. Yeah, Garcetti, he skipped but, the governor's race. But, uh, he'll appreciate the promotion. What's his now? Is he son of Gill? Is that he right? He is, that yes. Is, yeah. The okay. former DA that uh, that handled the OJ prosecution so skillfully. That's Way off point. But anyway, yeah, he and the other mayors <laughs> tried to get uh, get access into the detention facility uh, that's, uh, oh, about 50 miles uh, south of El Paso. Here, they were flatly turned down there. The, I think, uh, you know, I don't know if, uh, if that was a political statement or what, but the, the folks at the detention center said they just uh, they couldn't do it at that point, and so they didn't. And so uh, they were turned away the gate. Yeah, I just don't know where they're going to put all of these people. I mean, we were talking to, to Megan last hour, and she was saying that they're building facilities now. They're going to yes. have to build facilities to, to house families. How long is that going to take? What do we do in the meantime? I, I mean, if, if I'm in a place where – where I want to get out of a bad situation and come to America, now is my time to go. If I know that they're being inundated at the border and they're not separating families and there's no place to put the families, uh, it's almost like you you got to release them on their own recognizance. I don't know. I don't know what's going to be done. I know the Justice Department uh, is working on its end to formally ask a federal judge to change the rules on that uh, Flores settlement. So we'll see how quickly yeah. that works its way through the courts. That could be another uh, years down the line situation. I just think we're in a real mess right now. Well, potentially you're right, and, and I think that that in the meantime, until these new facilities are built, you're going to see more tent cities out there, the, like the one that we we have here at Tornillo, just outside El Paso. These are tents with uh, they are air conditioned. It's hot down here along the border, as you know, and and so these kids, uh, teenage boys specifically, are being kept in these these tents. They have cots and air conditioning and food and water and and showers and uh, and everything they, they physically need. Now they're just trying to get back with their parents. All right, Jim, thank you very much. Thanks, for Jim Ryan there live in uh, El Paso, Texas, with some of the latest in terms of what's going on specifically on the border. Now, uh, to answer one of your questions, I just got an alert, actually, while Jim was talking about what's going to happen in the meantime between the uh, the decision, the executive order yesterday in terms of keeping families together or making an effort to do so and where we will house them. The Department of Health and Human Services has asked the Pentagon to come up with as many as 20,000 uh, preparations to house as many as 20,000 unaccompanied migrant kids on different military bases, not out of the ordinary and not uh, unprecedented considering the influx of uh, unaccompanied minors that came across, I want to say 2013, 2014 timeline. A lot of those were taken to different uh, places that were either military bases or former military bases that had literally just gigantic buildings that could house a lot of people at one time. Not that those are the greatest conditions, but it has been done before. So uh, they got to figure out what to do with this. We'll let you know of uh, any developments as they come in here. But yeah, this is a, a giant mess. When we come back, we will. uh, Somebody's at my door. Somebody's at your door. Yeah. Somebody was just at your door a couple moments ago. P.S. Guy, probably at my door. Okay. Can we look on the camera who it is? I love doing that. We can. Yeah. No, let me see if Let's I can see who it is. Yeah, I would have. Have you have you tried that Amazon thing where you let where people can go into your house? No and one's drop going off? into my house. <laughs> Listen, we've. It is beautiful. No. I would roam around for a Wait, while. What? It's beautiful. Oh, your my house. house. I thought yeah, you meant yeah. like it would be beautiful if you worked for Amazon and could just walk through people's homes. 
if if you if you feel like the struggle is real when it comes to limiting yourself to 60 seconds on Instagram videos <laughs> we have got an app to tell you about or I should say Mark Saltzman has an app to tell you about also Alexa devices you may find them in your hotel room he'll have all the latest coming from the technology world when we come back to Gary and Shannon Who you is- see anybody I don't see anybody no, I don't they're yeah. inside. I don't even hear my dog. There's no dog barking or anything. You think he oh, took my dog? He took your dog. Somebody's in that room? Seriously? I think so. I think I saw movement. Your dog's head would not fit through any car door. You're fine. I thought I saw movement in that room. In that room? You think so? Yeah. This is turning scary. Should I should I say something? Yeah. Hello? Hello? You can talk to them? Yeah. Isn't that <gasps> cool? Is anybody there? Yes. I guess not. That's what my front door sounds like, people. Isn't that amazing? I wonder if we yell loud enough if we could get your neighbor's attention. No. (laughs) Gary and Shannon will continue. No, stop it. Gary and Shannon, congresspeople on Capitol Hill still trying to figure out what to do with immigration, what to do. Uh, They tried to to vote on a a broader bill today. Uh, That didn't work, so they scrapped the, the idea to vote on another one. At least postponed it. They're probably going to do so tomorrow, but... I think there's a lot of confusion. Uh, there's, there is, There has been for weeks now, it seems like. Hey, it's Thursday, and Thursday afternoons, we get a chance to talk to our tech guy, Mark Saltzman. The machines are getting smarter. This is Tech Talk, brought to you by Skynet. Mark joins us from the uh, newly cannabinized Canada. Are you high right now? <laughs> Not, are you? Oh, past the Visine. Yeah, my eyes are... No, no I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I mean, it's okay if you are... Sober as a judge. We're not judging you. Um, have you hey, ever it's had... it's legal soon, so... Have you yeah. ever had something called a butter tart? <laughs> yes, I have. Are Is they, like, ubiquitous? Like, are they everywhere in Canada? Not really. They're not as big as, like... Poutine, you know, poutine right. is the fries with the cheese curds and the gravy. The, the that, but, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, but butter tarts are a thing up here. Are sure. butter tarts a treat that you make at home or a treat that you buy? A little bit of both, but okay. mostly ones you would buy at a bakery and bring to someone's house. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, I noticed in uh, your new article for USA Today, you talk about what I think is a great summertime uh, topic, which is extending wireless to perhaps the the outside. That's so helpful. There's so many speakers that are available outside that you can throw in your backyard. Maybe you have a little TV you like to put out there. Or you're just taking your stuff out in the backyard. I mean, who who wants to do birding when you can look at your cell phone? (laughs) I know. It it may sound like spending time in the great outdoors and gadgets are mutually exclusive, but the two can go hand in hand. In In fact, technology can enhance the great outdoors if you use it wisely. Now, look, there's some wireless you don't need to extend your Wi-Fi for. If you have a Bluetooth speaker, for example, a waterproof speaker uh, by the pool, 
or what have you, that just is a one-to-one connection between your phone and the the, the headphones or the, the speaker. You don't need Wi-Fi for that. But should you have a Sonos or one of those new Google Home Max speakers that do require Wi-Fi, then you're going to want to extend the range to outside if you if your Wi-Fi doesn't reach there now. And there's a couple different ways to do it. We've talked on this uh, segment before about an inexpensive repeater or extender that you plug into the wall. They're about 25 bucks in it. Or better yet, if it's time to re- to upgrade your Wi-Fi uh, 100%, you'll go with what's called a mesh system, which often includes a router, but not always, which is it gives you your wireless signal and these little pucks, if you will, uh, that go around your home. And you want to just put one near the outdoors, whether it's a front yard or a backyard, and then that way you've got access to to high-speed internet for all your devices while you're uh, lounging around or barbecuing or what have you. Do you ever foresee a time when Wi-Fi is just is not a home-by-home home product, but it's just neighborhood-by-neighborhood? Neighborhood? So there have been a couple of projects throughout the U.S. where some neighborhoods or even small towns have been blanketed with Wi-Fi, and it's often paid for by that municipal government. But what I think is going to eclipse that is 5G cellular connectivity, which is the next wave in, in wireless cellular speeds. But with we're talking speeds, at least theoretical speeds. We'll see, you know, actually how fast it is, but up to a hundred times faster than what your 4G or current LTE Wi-Fi, uh, sorry, cellular gives you on your phone now. Now it will be by city. So major cities like LA will have it, but not every small, you know, Midwest town, if you will. But it, I think it's going to be even bigger than Wi-Fi and faster potentially. Mark, what is uh, Instagram's new app to uh, allow longer play videos? Yeah, available yesterday, uh, IGTV. This is something that has, there's been a lot of buzz about this. They're calling it the YouTube killer, a little sure I think, but it, it is Instagram. They've got a billion users monthly and over 2.2 billion users with Facebook, of course, the parent company. So this is uh, a new standalone app for uh, those who own, own a smartphone. So it's a mobile-first app, simple to use, and high quality are the three sort of pillars that they're sort of uh, talking about at Instagram. So IGTV, it's long form, so up to an hour, vertical video. So not widescreen that you would play back on your TV or on your computer where it's it's horizontal. This is a vertical video, up to an hour, and uh, Forbes says YouTube should be worried. This is they're going they're going after the jugular. We'll see, but it is Instagram, and they are the hottest social platform right now. So it borrows a little bit from YouTube, a little bit from Snapchat, uh, but you're not no longer limited to uh, watching or creating and sharing videos in terms of the length that you had before with Instagram. This is called IGTV, and it's a free download now. And we've I've noticed uh, some networks. Uh, ESPN is one of the big ones that has been using Snapchat among others to to. Uh, I guess broadcast on a different kind of platform. They're they're yeah. same programming, just in a new way. Yeah, you know my so I've got three kids, as you likely know. My youngest is uh, turning fourteen, and I'm surprised these days where we're sitting at the dinner table and he's up on the news. And I'm like, well, you, I never see you watch TV, so how do you know all this? And he's like, oh, I I, I watch all the Snap stories. You know, and he subscribes to a couple like MSN and uh, I think CNN and all that. So he's getting like these little curated little sort of news bites uh, on what's happening with politics and, and stuff. And I'm impressed, though. So however the medium is, and these networks are smart to uh, 
future-proof their brand by appealing to the tweens and the teens. So I think uh, IGTV could also be a platform for that, a vehicle for for them. Fascinating how they snake Mm -hmm. their ways into the kids' (laughs) lives. Well, like what teenager do you know sits down and watches the news or reads the newspaper, right? So smart. Yeah. good. Excellent. Uh, don't forget. And Gary doesn't either. We know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't forget. You can check out Mark's podcast. We have it up at the iHeart Radio app. You can just go to iHeart and search for Mark Saltzman. We also throw a link up on our page as well at kfiam640.com. Mm-hmm. Use the keyword Gary. And, and free butter part. Free butter tarts for everyone. Oh my I'm going to make some so butter good. tarts. I forget why, but we went down the Canadian we delicacy were, hole the I'll other day. I'll tell you day. exactly why. Because okay. we were talking about with the legalization of marijuana for recreational <laughs> use in Canada, what are you going to put it in? That's right. Because you can't really, I mean, you guess right. you could put hemp oil Or in what are you going to reach for after you indulge? Yeah, in I mean, butter tarts legal. are going to be yeah, flying off the shelves. I don't know. I'd give Or I'd a bag dive, of Miss Vickies or something. I'd mm-hmm. dive into that poutine. Cheese so curds go. on my fries. With I some... want butter tarts right now, and I'm not even high. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> so we think. Thank Thanks, you, Mark. guys. Mark Saltzman there with the latest uh, Tech Talk. When we come back, uh, we're going to push our science stories for just a segment. We're going to talk with Chris Carlo about what has been going on in Riverside County, the judge deciding that the Turpins do have to stand trial on all of these child abuse charges. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon, on this uh, Thursday, one of the stories that we have followed over the last couple of days is this preliminary hearing in Riverside County. Louise and uh, David Turpin, who are on uh, pr- the preliminary hearing to see if they would stand trial uh, on these multiple dozens of child abuse charges. We, Chris Carlo has been in court. We thought that we had heard uh, horrific details when, when this family was first found out, but that was just the tip of the iceberg, as as Chris has has detailed for us. And uh, Chris, what what's the latest here? What happened today? Well, the the big thing today is that the judge said there's enough evidence for them to stand trial. I don't think there was ever really a uh, a hunch that it would be otherwise. But the def- public defenders who are representing David and Louise Turpin in this case, I mean, they did their best to really try to separate each of those individuals from each other. Essentially, David Turpin's public defender saying that, oh, well, he was always at work, and so uh, therefore he shouldn't be subject to the same charges of abuse and torture and things like that. Um, judge not buying that argument, but at least he gave it a try. Then Louise Turpin's attorney uh, kind of just following suit with uh, with what the PD for David Turpin was doing. Today, we didn't really get new revelations as much as it was the arguments from the prosecution and the arguments from the defense. Uh, the last gasp, if you will, by the defense to get some of these charges thrown out. They were successful in getting one charge thrown out, and that was the child endangerment charge against the two-year-old. Uh, the prosecution wasn't able to show that there had been the same level of abuse and torture to that two-year-old, although they argued that just by the mere fact 
fact that the two-year-old was in the environment that it was in, that should constitute torture. The judge didn't think it met the threshold, uh, but everything else met that threshold. And so they've been um, held over for trial and uh, we'll be back in court on August the 3rd. We we found out information about what happened in Texas. First of all, can you explain the argument about whether or not the the information from Texas even should have been allowed in for this preliminary hearing? Yeah, that was the crux of the argument today from the uh, public defender saying essentially that that because it happened in Texas beyond the jurisdiction of California is not germane to what happened in California and that it could prejudice the uh, evidence and the information of what happened in California. What does that mean? Let's break it down. Basically, what that means is the stuff that happened in Texas that was uh, testified to was so bad that it could bleed over and a reasonable person could hear that and immediately jump to the conclusion that the same level of torture and abuse happened in California. Um, And so that is why the public defender did not want that information even to be considered in the preliminary hearing. Now, the judge said an argument too, uh, you know, in in the prosecutor's office about, you know, they have enough. Why take the chance that on appeal or something that it's the Texas, the Texas evidence screws you. But I know they also come from the school of thought of, um, you know, there is never too much evidence or never enough. Yeah, no, never too much evidence. And I think that for them, the case on a lot of their charges rests on what is a clear pattern of abuse and a clear pattern of misconduct. And by including the evidence from Texas, that really girders that uh, that that case. And, you know, the stuff that we heard about Texas yesterday, I I didn't even get to a lot of it with you guys. Uh, They they would keep these kids in, you know, three or four years. They stayed in a double wide trailer on their own as the parents are 50 miles away. The parents, if they found out that something had happened at the at the place, they would call up on the phone, talk to one of the older siblings and say, listen, this is uh, the punishment that is to be meted out to this sibling you got you have to do it in lieu of us and they would put their brothers and sisters into dog kennels three by three dog kennels as a form of punishment and and the reason why that's important and germane to what happened in california is it establishes a pattern of control that the parents were able to exert even from 50 miles away over these kids who were on their own effectively and still unable to act beyond the scope of discipline that their parents laid out. And that's powerful stuff when you consider when they moved to California that even as old as 29 years old, these kids were afraid to push on out of the house to find somebody to ask for help because of the amount of conditioning and control that had been exerted by their parents. Chris, did we get any indication what's going to happen with the oldest of these siblings? Uh, Because the descriptions of their ability to get along in everyday life does not sound promising. That was not addressed at all in court. And the reason for that is, you know, the prosecution doesn't want to touch that because, it, it, you know, if the kids are doing well or if the kids are you know, about to move out on their own, that kind of damages their case that they are dependent on their parents. Um, what we heard is that they can't take care of themselves over and over again, that they were 51, 50 as soon as the cops showed up. That means that the cops said, you know what, you're not able to take care of yourself physically, mentally, and you're essentially a ward of the state. And so um, that's what we heard. We heard about that 
and then also just medically how malnourished they were and because of that physical disabilities that are, that, that rose up. Um, and, you know, it's it, again, that kind of goes back to the whole Texas argument. It was interesting to hear. It was a very esoteric argument that was made by the public defender. He, he would go as far as quoting Dostoevsky's uh, the Karamazov, talking about Ivan's great uh, betrayal at the hand of God because he believed that man was evil, and if man was evil, then, you know, why would God have created man in his image? And basically, the whole convoluted argument came down to one fine point, which was this. The uh, case should not be decided on emotion. It should be decided on reason. And if you include all of this incendiary evidence from Texas, then you stand the uh, possibility of seeing emotion take over for reason when it comes to judgment, and therefore no fair trial would be offered for the turbans. And you said August is the, uh, is the, the next court time, court date. Yeah, August third is the next is an arraignment of facts, and then you know from there moving toward trial. And again, with these sorts of things, I'm sure we'll see a flurry of motions, and dates will uh, will likely change and be extended. But um, if everything holds steady, then we could see this come to trial by like uh, mid October. But don't don't bank on it. Oh. All right, Chris, thank you. Yeah, of course, guys. Chris and Carla, the latest out of Riverside County. And I again, the wonder. Turpins will face trial. Um, at least the judge has decided that they can be held over for trial. We'll see if there's a plea deal before that. I just wonder how many other houses like that there are out We've there. Sa- you know what? We've said that off the air, but I honestly have that same thought. I mean, how this how many this- other parents, parents, I'm using air quotes, right. are have like dictatorships in the house where the kids are so abused, but they don't really know they're abused. You know, there's such this aspect of control. And that they could have done so in a neighborhood where yeah. there may have been questions, you know. Some of the other neighbors may have said that's weird that you there's... You don't know what kids. goes on on people's homes. You just don't. I don't... I don't yeah. You know, they, they had to go to the grocery store at some time. They probably waved to their neighbor across the, across the way. You just don't know what people are doing inside their little boxes. We have some interesting uh, science stories uh, when we come back. We'll do, uh, like, wacky science stuff, something like that. Wacky Where'd you get tickets science. to? Would you buy tickets to? There's tickets over there. What are those for? The Arroyo Seco oh, music. It's because Rich Murat is in town. Everyone's a big concert fan now. Coming up next, what makes something truly addictive? We have the science. It's strange. Oh, that's good. That's good. Strange science. Oh, yeah, that works. When you start, it's just a matter of time. Any minute you will cross that line. You never think about the price you pay. It got a mind of its own and it's in. It got a mind of its own and it's in. It got a mind of its own and it's in. That was a scary voice. I didn't hear anything. You didn't? No. The monster voice? Nope, didn't hear anything. I've got a stack of stories here that are uh, sciencey. You already said we were going to call it strange science. Strange science. <laughs> it's like weird science, but strange. Which one do you want to start with? Well, cause... have you seen this video? Here, I'll play uh, it for you. I love dogs. Ask me how I always look so good. How my makeup always looks so perfect. Or how I always have this natural glow. Uh-huh. Here's my secret. She's got her dog with her in a plastic cup. 
and the dog's going to pee into the cup. No, he's not. And, yeah. Oh, she's really getting a cup in there. Uh, That's a full plastic cup of urine that she's got from her little dog. I'm not sure what breed of dog this is. But uh, it's a medium-sized dog. She got a full cup of the dog's pee, and she drinks it right there. Farm to table. It takes a... D- not farm. Backyard to table. My husband the other night went downstairs, poured himself a beer from the keg. Yeah. Kegerator. Ooh. Walks back upstairs. Not to brag. You have a kegerator in your house? Yeah. He walks back upstairs, takes a sip of the beer, and says, farm to table. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's awesome. Dog pee, according to this woman, who is not a credible source. Just, I want to be clear. She is not a credible source. Because she's also drinking dog pee. Uh, she says it has vitamin A in it and vitamin E in it. And 10 grams and of calcium. And 10 grams of calcium. And she says it's also proven to help cure cancer. A certified holistic nutritionist, Joy McCarthy, told Allure magazine that urine therapy has been around for several hundred years. It was practiced by ancient Greek and Roman societies. I have to ask Petros about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. McCarthy said, my take on this is there are far better ways to get healthy than drinking dog urine. For instance, thanks, doc. Drinking lemon and uh, water. I guess it's not a doctor. She's a new, holistic nutritionist. I'm going to Google no. Gwyneth Paltrow. And urine therapy? And urine therapy. I don't know if you'll find anything because I don't even know if she would admit to that. Yep. Wait, S- no. She did put out some advice recently to tell women to pee in the shower. That's different. Isn't it? I don't understand why. She says that if you pee in the shower, you can strengthen up your pelvic floor muscles. I'm law. I'm. <laughs> I, again, I don't agree. Gwyneth Paltrow is a credible source. She says uh, squatting Mm -hmm. while peeing is the perfect way to do that. Oh. Well, in that... Why not just do some squats? Go in the backyard or something, please. (laughs) What the hell is happening? Uh, British scientists have successfully created pigs that are resistant to blue ear disease. Everybody knows Uh, Oh, thank God. Blue ear disease, right? I've been waiting for this my entire life. I didn't know that the blue ear disease costs the worldwide farming industry billions of dollars a year. Oh, I did not know that either. But they have now decided, or I guess developed, pigs that will not become, when infected with the virus... Um, but there are concerns that we're going to be soon eating this Franken pig, Frankenstein food. Researchers said it'll still be several years before we ever eat a bacon sandwich from a genetically modified pig. But don't get me wrong, I would totally get into a genetically modified bacon sandwich. Did you know that we <laughs> used to put animals on trial? I mean, when I say we, I mean Europeans. Used to put animals you... on trial, and there it used to be a job equivalent to like a public defender to defend uh, animals in in a court of law. Why did we do that? What did the animals? Do? Um, for instance, the story that I read this morning was about a pig getting into a house when the the, the father was out tending to the um, the goats, and the mother was in another village, and the pig gets in and he kills a baby. Oh, and the ki- the pig was then brought up on charges. 
and they hung the pig in a uh, a public square kind of thing to let other pigs know that that behavior is not okay. Now you're going too far. I'm I not lying to you. No. I'm Did they not. gather public there, pigs? There to was see there the... was a book written in 1906 about the criminal trials of animals, and this was a real thing that happened. Well, we do have a super segment tomorrow, so maybe we could discover more about the world of animal trials. Well, what we wanted to do was and dedicate. We could also interview George Orwell while we're at it. You don't, you still don't believe me about no. this? Okay. All right. I mean, I know we've done some dumb things in our life, but did you know that the male swamp swallow sings a song that's been around for a thousand years? What is the song? (laughs) Do it again. They haven't changed the set list in more than a thousand years. Scientists have been studying the American swamp sparrow. Did what I say? American swamp, swamp swallow? Spar- swamp swallow. Oh, is it a sparrow or a swallow? I don't know. It says in one thing, swamp swallow, and then this one it says swamp sparrow. Scientists suggest these sparrows preserve their cultural traditions as efficiently as humans do. I don't know if you've been keeping up your subscription to nature communications, but this is where the uh, the latest study appears from Queen Mary University of London. Do you want me to order you this book? No. I just pulled it up on Amazon. The Criminal Prosecution and Capital Punishment of Animals. Between 2008 and 9, Lachlan and his colleagues recorded the melodic calls of 600-plus male swamp sparrows living across the northeastern U.S. An acoustic analysis software showed that each song, when broken down into a collection of notes or syllables that measured the degree of diversity among the compositions... Only 2% of male swamp sparrows deviated from the musical status quo. There are 34 recorded instances where pigs have been named as defendants in criminal cases. We're going to have to get into that Also, tomorrow. chickens, rats, field mice, bees, gnats. John and Ken up next. Stay dry. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Oh, goodbye. Gary and Shannon. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now, a low interest rate on everyday purchases, and place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed, and together they can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCU. Anyway.